Morning. Morning. What an awesome day it is uh, to be able to stand here before my brothers and my sisters, because we are one big fat, you know, family, and it's just an awesome privilege. It really is. What I got today is a tale of two worlds. Now. I got the title as a takeoff of Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities, which was about London and Paris during the French Revolution. Uh, that's where the similarity ends. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> when I uh, shared it with Martin, he had a, uh, uh, an interesting uh, thing he added to it. And he said, which, which world are you going to wag? So why don't you, yeah. So I thought that was kind of cute, so I, I thought I'd give him some mention in this as he's enjoying a day off. All right, what this is really about is the fallen world and God's kingdom. And the challenge that, that us living in, in those two worlds, it's a choice, right? We choose, we're, we don't have a choice to be here in the world, but we have a choice about which world we actually live in. And the profoundness of that choice affects us each and every day, and it affects us whether we are children of God or not. In the world, it's about being conformed to the culture. It's about what we need and don't need. Life being uh, about us and not being about serving others, which is what we're called to do as Christians. One thing about the fallen world is rather interesting. If you look at world history, there have been thousands of wars, thousands. Just in my lifetime, there's been just the end of World War II, the Korean War, the uh, Vietnam War, the War of Iraq, uh, etc., etc., etc. And every one of those wars is about one primary theme. Who's going to control and who's going to surrender? And the challenge with the surrender is that when we surrender, especially in the world, it means slavery in some form. Now, about the only exception to that throughout most of history has been those countries like America that give back that freedom. But the question really is, is why do we fight so hard? Because it's about taking away what we want to do. So about that surrender. Now, in God's kingdom, it's a little bit different. Christ says, I love you. He saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own accomplishments, but according to his purpose and the grace that he has given to us in the Messiah Jesus before time began. Question. Do you believe you're united to the Lord and in one spirit with him? The the challenge with that is that you can't surrender to Christ if you don't believe that. Right? How do you surrender if you don't trust the one you're surrendering to? And if you can't surrender, how do you obey? And if you don't surrender, how do you grow spiritually? How do you become who God purposed us to be? Which is a profound 
thing to think about. God made every one of us in his image. He, he created a purpose, a divine purpose for each and every one of us in this room. And in that divine purpose, what is it? That's the question that needs to be answered. So I'm going to do a survey here. So how many in this room have been walking with uh, the Lord for more than 20 years? Raise your hands. Wow, that's awesome. How many for 10 to 20 years? Oh, that's cool. My hand raises in that one. How many uh, have been less than 10 years? Cool. All right. Now, I have a little parable for you. So if I was going to go and talk to a bricklayer or a uh, cement finisher, what would I look for? I suspect that I'd look for someone that had, well, what, a year's worth of experience? Hmm. Yeah, probably not. Might not be very experienced. How about five years? Yeah, they probably have some experience in five years, but are they a journeyman? Do they really know what they're doing? Is John Price in here by any chance? I'm using a cement analogy. I was wondering if he would be a great one to stand up and confirm or or deny. Anyway, he missed out. Uh, So what about uh, 10 years? Now, 10 years, you would expect someone who did that for a living would be pretty darn good at it. They can make steps. They can pour driveways and sidewalks. They can pour slabs. They can do tilt-ups. They can stain it. They can mold it. They can fabricate it. They can, you know, do whatever. Expose it. So, in our walk as Christians, the question then becomes, are we journeymen? If somebody wanted to know what it was like and how to walk with God, if you'd had 10 or more years, are you comfortable answering their question? Can you, can you stand up and say, yes, I can walk with you in that process? You may not know the answers, because none of us really do, but, but can you walk in that, in that alongside them and help and guide them in confidence, in faith, in the soundness of Scripture? in the soundness of your belief, in the experience that you know is real because you've experienced it. That's the challenge. If you've got the experience, but you do a quick prayer and move on, I have to admit, I've done that a few times myself. Do you send them to others? How about the pastoral staff? Gee, I need some... I'm not sure what to do here, so let's give them to somebody that's experienced. That'd be an interesting way to get around it. Um, do you... Uh, do others... Another question would be, do others actually seek you to get answers because they know you'll walk with them? That's another test of being a journeyman as a Christian. So one of the challenge that we have is how often do we switch 
that thinking throughout the day. Which is an interesting process. I think we all wonder, you know, how, how comfortable are we? Sometimes we feel more comfortable than we do at other times. Now, you're probably asking yourself, wow, this is a pretty heavy subject. And one of the things that I was uh, reminded when I was uh, contemplating this and God was talking to my heart about presenting the, the message was the story of the watchman, which comes out of Ezekiel. And this is true not for pastors or elders, but it's for anybody who's a journeyman. It's about speaking the truth. In Ezekiel 3, 17 through 21, and I, I left uh, one of the, a couple of the verses out because they weren't uh, needed for this. It says, Son of man, he said, I appointed you to be a watchman over the house of Israel. Therefore, when you hear a message that comes from me, you are to warn them for me. When a righteous man abandons his righteousness to practice unrighteousness, I'll set a stumbling block before him. He'll die. And if you don't warn him, he'll die in his sins, and the righteous deeds that he had practiced won't be remembered. But you'll be held responsible for his death. Heavy words. So there is an accountability that goes with each and every one of us as a Christian to spend the effort to help those and to speak the truth to them in love. Absolutely. Because we care. They are our brothers and our sisters. If you warn the righteous person so that he doesn't commit the sin, then he'll live since he has been warned. And you will have saved your life. So, important stuff. So the challenge is is that in every moment of every day, we're in one world or the other. We're either feeding the spirit within us, God's spirit, and being fed by it, or we're living for ourselves. So we're wagging the other world. We're living in the the world of this fallen world. And one of the things I used to think of when I used to uh, uh, visualize, and I'm a very visual person, sometimes I used to think about, you know, Lord, I kind of feel like I'm walking on the fence. I, uh, I don't think I've gone over on the other side because my behavior isn't really what it should be, but I don't think I've really crossed the line. And then I got reminded that you really have to be in one or the other. The fence is not a boardwalk that's between two worlds. The fence is a razor that kind of cuts you in half if you try it. And I went, ouch, I kind of get that. Kind of an interesting, for someone who's visual like me, that creates rather a disturbing thought, actually. And to be in God's will and to do God's will, we do have to surrender. We have to be willing to do what he asks us to do. And what does willing look like? Well, he will not violate our self-will. He is not like the world that beats us into surrendering and then commands us to do what we have to do. He loves us so much that he gives us 100% of the decision about whether we will do what he asks us to do or not. Not 95%, not 80%, not 30%, 100% of the time. 
He does not do that. So we have to really step into that relationship with him. We have to step into hearing his voice. We have to step into the process of saying, Lord, not my will, but thy be done. Lord, what would you have me do? And when you hear, then actually do it. And the proof of that is, is obedience. So you can really look at your life. This is the challenge I'm really asking you all to do this morning. This is an area that, that I try to do constantly, and it has a profound impact because I ask myself the question, am I doing God's will? What is the proof of that? And there is proof, right? There's fruit. So when that driver zipped in front of me and made me uh, slam on the brakes, uh, <laughs> smile over here. <laughs> what came out of my mouth? Oops. <sighs> Wrong word. Darn. I'm supposed to bless him or her. So... That's, an, that's a simple example of, of what happens, but sometimes they're much bigger than that. Sometimes the examples are uh, why do I go to church? Now, this church has a phenomenal record of more people serving this church statistically than virtually at way beyond the national average, which is an awesome thing that each and every you. Uh, you know, contribute to, and, and it's a, just an awesome thing. And we're all just so proud of you for doing that. But the real question there is the why do you do it? Do you do it because it's part of community? Yeah. Do you do it because you love the people you're around and it's a lot of fun? Yeah, I do it for those reasons. Do you do it because it's just the right thing to do? Another good reason. But the underlying reason is, is it your social structure? If it's what you do because that's what makes you a Christian, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. It's our relationship with Jesus Christ that makes us a Christian. Is that intimate communication with him each and every day, that walk with him, that he talks to us and we talk to him. And we have an expectation that he hears us and that we hear him. Okay, I'm going to, let me go to my story there. Uh, This is a summary. I was actually saved at 12 years old. I spent a lot of time talking to God after I hit 51, which I made Jesus Christ Lord of my life, trying to understand a lot of things. Now, some of you know the history of my, uh, my life. Uh, probably many of you uh, have heard about it. That's a different story. <laughs> but, but just for the sake of time, uh, at 12, I gave my, my heart to Jesus as Savior. And that was an awesome thing. And I know he did because he confirmed to me that he really was in my heart. But guess what? The environment I was in, I could make all kinds of excuses. The environment I was in didn't lend itself to me understanding what it meant to walk with Christ. 
But I did walk. I, I did a great job of walking in the world. Uh, I was uh, a chief center as, as anybody around me. I spent four years in the Marine Corps, and all of that represents, and on and on and on. And it took until I was 51 years old before God brought me to my knees, actually brought me and my wife to our knees at the same time, which was an awesome thing. So when you look at the chart up there, you can see the, the blip to the right at the bottom there when I hit 12, and then a long line up until I hit 51, and at 51, I did something different. I didn't say, Jesus, save me. Well, actually, I did say that. But more importantly, I said, Jesus, be Lord of my life, because I can't run it. I surrender. And I, and, and I didn't just say, I surrender for now. I had had it. And I said, Jesus, you got me. Hook, line, sinker, weight, Rod, reel, everything. I, I swallowed the whole thing. Because I didn't figure there was any point going halfway. And since then, I've tried to stay on God's side of that, uh, that chart. <laughs> Next slide. Now, some of my days look like that. <laughs> That's my wife you hear laughing over there on the side. You know, I wish it weren't true. I really do. <laughs> but, but it is. Now the good news is, is that God never gives up on us, though we sometimes give up on Him. And what I have found is that as I surrender and do hit, let Him lead my life, that line stays more and more on the correct side of that middle. I don't, I don't stand on the razor. If you notice, I try to be real quick across it. But being, being on God's side has profoundness. There's peace there. There's joy. There's serenity. There's impact in other people's lives that, that you, you, you connect with people on a heart-to-heart basis. Martin loves to talk about the, uh, the backstage and the front stages of our lives. One of the things that's really interesting is that when we live on the fallen side, we want people to think we're living on the kingdom side. Right? I mean, how many, how many in here have been going through the day and the, the wife comes up or the friend comes up or a stranger comes up and says, How you doing? And you're muttering under your breath. You're frustrated and angry. And you go, oh, I'm doing great. Come on. How many have done that? <laughs> and why do we do that? Because we really don't want people to know that we're not doing too well, right? But the truth is, if you really want to live on the kingdom side, you can do that through surrendering. So even when the crap of life lands on you, you have a very different response to it. Right? You, 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 you re- respond emotionally and physically and spiritually to a very different stimulation when he's in control. And it's a great pace of peace it's a great place of, of, uh, 
of service because you can actually help people in a way there that you can't help them any other way. Because that's a place where you don't judge. That's a place where you can love unconditionally. That's a place where you can let go of the harm and the hurt irrespective of the challenges that are going on around you. You can live where in turmoil you can actually be at peace. All right, so fruits of a mature Christian. Okay, how are we doing on time here? Okay, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against such things. Now those who belong to the Messiah Jesus have crucified their flesh with his passions and desires. But since we live by the Spirit, by the Spirit let us also be guided. It's in Galatians. So what is the evidence? You know, when, you, when you test yourself, what is the evidence of a, being a Christian? Making disciples, sound on the word, coaching and investing in others, surrendering to God's leadership, hearing and doing, being a peacemaker, looking for how we can nurture each other through the difficulties of life. Because face it, this is not a friendly life. Now the good news for us, right, as Christians, is this is as worse as it's ever going to get. For the others, this is the best it's ever going to get. So it really is worth staying on the kingdom side. All right. What does it look like to be a babe? All right. Now this is the author in Hebrews to the church in Jerusalem. And it's it's a really challenging word. We have much to say about this, but is it difficult to explain because you have become too lazy to understand? In fact, though by now you should be teachers, you still need someone to teach you the basic truths of God's word. You have become people who need milk instead of solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is still a baby and does not yet know the difference between right and wrong. In this case, I would say right and wrong is understanding which world you're really executing out of at the moment. But solid food is for mature people whose minds are trained by practice, and that's the person doing it. So we get there through our exercise of will to distinguish good from evil. So back to the journeyman example with concrete, if the person showed up every day on the job and just did what they were told, do you think they'd reach journeyman status? Any takers out there? No no takers? <laughs> uh, I don't think they'd make journeyman status because they're just doing what they're told. You have to know what to do to become a journeyman. That's what it means. All right. For example, struggling with strongholds in your life that you have not dealt with. That's an indication that you're not putting God in charge, 
which are holding on to the world? Are you constantly being fed, but you're not feeding others? That's what we do with babes. How about concern about getting involved because it might impact our priorities? I have things to do and places to go. I'm concerned about my time and my effort. You know, I'm not sure I really want to put that effort in because it'll interfere. I've heard those words from people. Uh, and it's, it's hard. Opinions and judgments of others that we filter through our own needs and our own point of view, that's another indication. It becomes about, well, I'll say it directly. So if you uh, struggle with a message or you, you struggle with the worship that week and you're critical of it, that's probably not a good thing to do because you're really declaring where you're at on that maturity level. Now, there was a little self-serving in that at the moment, so bear with me on that one. <laughs> All right. One of the things that, that's really interesting about, about our walk in the relationship with Christ is about hearing. Now, as his children, God does talk to each and every one of us. He talks through his word. He talks to us otherwise. And if we haven't hardened our heart, we will hear him. Right? So, sometimes he talks, to, talks in words, sometimes in pictures, sometimes in dreams, sometimes in uh, impressions, uh, sometimes in the tingle on the back spine. You know, that is not re- always reliable. Sometimes a breeze will cause you to think God's talking to you when you do that. Um, and when he talks to you, why is he talking? <laughs> I have a story. I always have stories. This will make quick. I had gotten really upset with Sandra, my beautiful wife. 45 years married. But I was really upset. I didn't think she'd been respecting me. This is a long time ago. Uh, and so I was talking to God about fixing her. Now, there's another story about that in Genesis, but we won't go there. Um, <laughs> And I was really pretty upset. And what it was about, I don't even remember now. But I was talking to God about fixing her. And I'd been at it for about three days. And I was pretty exhausted. I was not sleeping well, if at all. And it was kind of a constant prayer. And God spoke to me in an audible voice. And I absolutely did hear him. He said, it's not her. And I started to argue, but I only got about halfway through the first sentence and I decided I'd better shut the trap and listen. <laughs> and I did. It had a profound impact because it wasn't about me. You see, I, was, I had filtered it wrong. I had filtered it through my own need and my own desire and my own evaluation about how the relationship should work. And that was so wrong. But he let me get pretty boiled over about it so that I would... Listen, he knew when to say it. And that's, that's an awesome thing. Because the experience resulted in good fruit. Because I listened. And our relationship changed. 
It's changed many times, but that was one of that was a big one because I found out it wasn't about me. So okay, we're on base in Christ here. Let's see if I get back to where I was at. Okay. Willingness. Hearing of the quiet voice or impression of God. It's rooted in our identity. And what does it mean to be identity? If we really understand who we are in Christ, then we are willing to surrender that to Jesus. We are willing to surrender our need and our desire to him. And when we do that, it's pretty easy to hear him, however he speaks to each of us. Because we all have kind of a different way of hearing from him. And we can only do that, we can only surrender if we trust him. And this gets back to the profound difference between the fallen world and God's kingdom. In God's kingdom, it is never forced. He says, I am here, come to me. That's simple. But if we're willing to do that, and we surrender to his, his desire for our lives, we live a life based on those desires, which is a good life. It's a fulfilling life. It's a purpose-driven life. But if we're not willing to surrender, we can't hear. We harden our hearts because it becomes about us. Okay. Okay, so in that transformation... It is a life of faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. What does faith look like? That's an action verb. It's to do something. So, So it's about not only believing, but it's actually acting on that belief. Because of what he says to me or in his word, I am going to act on that. Therefore, I am actually going to do something. What is that? If we don't act... Where are we? We're back at the babe side, and we're living on the wrong side. It's rooted in trusting him, in obedience. And to do that, you really need to hear from him. Uh, If you're not hearing, I would really challenge you to do the following. Ask yourself the question, what did he tell me to do the last time that I didn't do? If he asked me to do something and I rationalize it away, I'm going to give a little story on that for myself. The challenge for me is, I learned this a long time ago, when I, hear, when I get the impression or I hear him tell me to do something, I immediately do it now. So I received the word to give this, this message about uh, three months ago. So the first thing I did is I called Martin up the next day and I said, I have a message that God has given me to, to, that I believe I'm supposed to preach on. And I'd like you to get it scheduled. Now, why did I do that? Because if I didn't, it's real easy to say, eh, I'm sure it was just out of my own self. I'm not sure I really wanted to do that. I'm not sure I'm comfortable doing that. What if I heard wrong? Does he really mean that I should talk on it? Why should I talk? Maybe I don't need to. He loves me. It's okay. 
I can do all those things. But the problem with it is then I'm not in obedience, am I? So I always, I found for me now, some of you may be able to delay it and not run into that. For me, when I hear, I act on it because anything else, it just opens the door for the enemy to convince me I shouldn't do it. And if you think I like giving messages, you are wrong. (laughs) I don't. But there is nothing in life that causes me, there's very few things in life that causes me to grow faster or more than standing up here and sharing with you all my challenges in my life. I don't know why that works that way. Okay. We're down to uh, slide 11 at this point. So are you nurturing your relationship with him? Are you spending time with him? How many of you have a, a really good friend? Come on, I know you all have good friends, right? How do you maintain that friendship? You spend time with them, right? You share your life experiences. It's exactly the same thing with God. It's, it's, a, it's how we actually grow. We ask him questions, and we expect an answer. Now, he may not answer a, at that moment, but trust me, he will answer. How many of you have ever paid for, prayed for patience? I have. Usually within about four hours, some challenge shows up to see how patient I am. I've, it just never failed. I've actually stopped praying that one. <laughs> okay. So... Are you willing to, this is about decision time. Are you willing to talk to others? Be with them, walk with them. If you're not willing, why? Scared? Lack of knowledge? Not sufficient in your faith? Now faith in this case sounds like a belief word. But I would challenge you that if you, if you said that to say, well, no, wait a minute. God is faithful if I step out and do it. Will he show up? And the answer is yes, he will. Yes, he will. So, if you're retired, for you retired folks, I have a comment to make. We live in a culture that says kind of the following. Work hard all your life. At 65 give or take, you can retire and go do your own thing. So does that apply to our walk with God? No, it does not. There is no, I looked, believe me, I looked hard. I could find no reference to retirement in God's word. He does talk about finishing well. (laughs) He talks about doing the right things. He never talks about retiring. And one of the greatest rewards that I have to admit that I've had uh, since I have retired is that I have time to really spend time with God, spend time with other people, spend time making a difference because I actually have time, which is so difficult in these days and ages, right? So I would encourage those that, that are retired that have time on their hands, that they jump in and really get involved in, not in doing, but in people's lives. 
learning, speaking to them, helping them, guiding them. We can't walk the fence. It's not a, it's not a boulevard. It's, it's a very sharp edge. You've got to be one side or the other. To grow, we absolutely must surrender. Surrender looks like this. You're in, in obedience. Because you cannot obey if you're not surrendered. So if you're not obeying, you may think you're surrendered, but you're not. If you want him to direct your paths, you have to be actively engaged with him. Because he can't direct direct you otherwise. There's an old saying, you can't turn, you can't turn something that isn't moving. It's got to be moving to turn it. Right? So a ship, a car, if it's not moving, you can turn a wheel, turn a rudder, it doesn't go anywhere. Well, unless the wind's blowing it, but... Okay. So that's the challenge. So I would just, you know, you know as I talked to, to the Lord about this, I was wondering if I should... Uh, you know, do a, a call and see how many people wanted to stand up and confess or say, I'm joking. <laughs> but in all seriousness, uh, process. Think about this. Think about the impact. If you taste him daily, you'll find that he is sweet. His burden is light. The world's burden is very, very heavy. And it is profound to let go of it, to live in the present, to enjoy his love, to enjoy the profound peace, the tranquility, the blessing. That doesn't mean everything goes right. (laughs) I wasn't planning on saying, I'm going to say one real quick word here. My daughter got her foot run over uh, Friday? Friday. Friday night by an angry resident of their condo uh, complex because he thought she was still on the board and she wasn't and he just got angry and in a, in a fit of rage backed his vehicle up quickly to intimidate her and she couldn't move quite fast enough and actually drove over her whole foot so we spent four hours at the emergency room and so, and so on now, out of that comes two, two opportunities right burn his house down no I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Though it might feel like an appropriate response. No, the answer really is, is something something different. It is hard to do it. But to forgive, pray for him. He needs Jesus big time. He has an anger problem. And to let God have it. So you're not living angry day to day to day. For how long? Right? For five minutes, for five hours, for 50 hours, for 50 days, for 50 years. There are people that are angry about things for 50 years. Think about that. I bet some of those are in this room. You can just give it to God. And you can live in in a profound peace where it doesn't ruin your day. It didn't ruin my daughter's day. She was an excellent example of, of living by the fruit of the Spirit. So, with that, I close. So, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord God, for the profoundness of who you are and for your patience and your mercy, your love. 
your desire for that intimate relationship with us. I thank you, Lord God, that you always, always present the opportunity for us to hear, to follow, to renew that relationship with you. And I thank you for the profoundness of that. I ask you, Lord, to just bless each and every person here, your awesome children, that you have blessed with a, with a unique purpose, each and every one. In Jesus' name, amen.